Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor J.P. Troyo here. So glad that you're joining us today on our podcast. You're about to hear a message today from our weekend encounter. Uh, I pray that this message uh, encourages you, inspires you, and pushes you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to stay on track with what's going on at the church, we'd love for you to download our app, Oasis Church Chicago, or visit us on our website, www.oasischurchchicago.com. I'm praying for you, we're believing for you, and we trust that God's gonna continue to do great things in your life. God bless you. Now here's the message today. Who's been with us through this series so far? Amen. Yeah, I just, I just believe that when my wife came to me, I say it often, she's the Holy Spirit in the flesh sometimes. She comes and she says, I really think that we need to do this. Um, I'm like, okay, let's do it. Because I trust her and I trust her voice. And she, pray, you know, she prays for y'all. That's a really good place to say thank you or amen. As the mother of this house says, she prays for y'all, and she really believes that God's going to do great and mighty things in through you. And so she said, we got to go through these words because the Advent calendar time of year, this time of year is not about some big Christmas production, some big, let's have a mega time on one Sunday and just celebrate everything. This is a time of really reflecting on what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and best yet, what he's going to do when he comes back for his church. Come on, anybody thankful that Jesus is going to return back? He's going to come, and he's going to grab his family. He's going to take his church and he's going to bring us back with him to home and I'm just so grateful and so excited for what God is doing this is a a remembering and a waiting time it's not a time to give up but it's a time to dwell on and think on and remember what Jesus has done for us by coming as a baby as an infant as an infant flesh flesh like us, he came and he dwelled and he lived among us and he lived a perfect life, a, a sinful life, and he didn't stop there. He went to a cross and he took our shame and the, the pain and everything that we should go to the cross for. He took it and so that you and I didn't have to go. And this is a remembering and a time to think on and dwell on. You know, we've said it, but the holiday season, this time of year is tiring. I, I, some of you on your face right now, I love you. You look great. It looks, you look awesome. But your spirit's tired. <laughs> Right? Who would agree that you're a little tired this morning? You know, this is the time of the year where sickness happens. People are getting sick more than ever. All those not cool at all. And you're tired. You get, you get weary because you're trying to do all these things. You're trying to go from place to place. You're trying to get the right gifts and the, the right things for the family members. You're trying to get the sale items. You're trying to make all these things happen. And the reality is, is that we forget really what this time of year is about. It's remembering dwelling on what he's doing and looking to what he's going to do. And so today I, I want to I talk about a, a word that I, I really believe I, I'm learning more and more in my own life. I, I'm learning this, this word and what it actually means more and more every single day in my life. And, you know, in my, my 20s, which were not too long ago, <laughs> I just wanted to do everything I could. I wanted to experience everything I could, especially early on in my 20s. The things of this world, I, I wanted to taste everything I could, and the Lord saved me at 22, and my, my perspective changed. My heart changed. I was brand new, but I wanted to accomplish a bunch of things. I wanted to make sure my 20s mattered, right? Who's in their 20s right now? You have that feeling like you're in school and you're about to be done, or maybe you're early on in your career and you want to make something happen. My 20s were that way, and now I was in my 30s, and I'm a husband, and I'm now a new dad. I I want to not just make things happen, but I want to enjoy the journey. I want to have joy in this journey. I want to walk every single day out with joy. 
the joy that the Word talks about, the joy that is found only in Jesus. And I, I want to enjoy. I don't want to have just good feelings. I don't want to wake up and the sun's shining and it dictate what I believe God's going to do in the day. Come on, how many of you know the sun's less shining today and I, it determines sometimes how I'm going to react in the day? I don't want to just have good vibes and good moments where I just feel like this moment was awesome and now I can have so much joy because I've experienced this moment. I want to walk every day out as I'm here on this earth full with the joy of heaven. It's our promise. So today we're going to exalt joy in our lives. I want us to walk out of here feeling overwhelmed with the joy of heaven. And not just today, guys. These words that we've talked about, hope, love, and now joy. I pray that these things settle in your spirit so deep that you continue to think about them as we move into the next year and the next year and the next year. Man, his, his hope is a living hope. Man, his love is never going to end, never going to run dry. He loves us so much, and it's our response to him. And now we have joy that we can walk in and operate in. You know, there's a major difference between happiness and joy. Major difference. Scripture talks about both, but there's a level of, of, of joy that, that joy that happiness cannot touch. See, happiness, and in, in a lot of times we, we define it today in, in our terms, it's like it's based on what's happening. Happiness is based on what's happening in our life. How's work going? Man, how, how's the bank account look? How's the relationship going? Come on, am I talking to anybody? You wake up happy depending on how things in life are going. Happiness is determined by the things happening around you. You wake up with, with a, a, joy, a happy spirit because you know today you got something going on on the calendar that you've been looking for for far too long. Oh, happiness is when you know that trip as a parent, you know that trip without the kids is like oh, a week away or two weeks away and you can't wait to get on that airplane. Come on, some of you new parents, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you older parents, you're like, you're, we're praying for you. We've been there. Some of you that aren't parents, you know what I'm talking about. You will know one day. You're, you're happy. You're, you just can't wait for what's happening around you. That will determine the level at which you have a smile on your face. Joy is internal. Joy from heaven is steadfast. Joy does not determine what's going on around you. It is secure in what's happening inside of you. There is a major difference, and I think the church is all about happiness. Just give me my happy things to think of. Pastor, give me a good word so I can walk out of here happy. Come on, don't act like some of y'all don't want just an, I need a word, Pastor. Give me a word today. If it wasn't a good word, I'm not going to be able to be happy this week. I do it. I'm not judging y'all. I'm the same way. But I want us to be like, no, joy is inside of me. Joy is a thing that I have inside of me that nothing can shake it, nothing can break it, nothing can remove it. I have the joy of heaven deep within my heart, deep within my bones, deep within my spirit, that no matter what's happening around me, no matter what circumstances may be look like around me, no matter what's going to come ahead, I have joy in my life, and nothing is going to stop it. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life. Let me say that again. Joy is the assurance, the settled Catch that, the settled, the confident assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. He cares about every detail of your lives, people. He cares about it. The quiet joy is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will work together for the good of those who love him. Woo! That's a really good place. I'm going to get that button back. It's the quiet assurance, confidence that everything will work out for the good to those who love him. Everything that you are experiencing today that is bad, that is broken, that's messed up, God is going to turn it and he's going to make it good because that is who he is. He is a way maker. He is the prince of peace. He wants to have good things for his children. So it's that settled, quiet confidence. And it's the determined choice. This is joy. 
It's the determined choice to praise God in all things. Joy. It's the determined choice to praise God in all things. And so joy is a choice. Joy is a character. Jesus. Joy is a commitment. And so today as I was thinking about, well, how do I explain joy? I gave you kind of a, like a brief like summary of what joy is. Pastor, we scripture. It's coming. I, I dwelt on the idea of, well, what joy do I want to talk about? Do I want to talk about this joy or this kind of joy or this moment? of What, what, what do I want to talk? God, so help me. Help me just hear from you and what you want us to say. And he says, he said to me, I, I sensed, I sensed he said, I want you to talk about the things that try to steal people's joy. I said, okay. He said, because Satan is after your people. He's after your church. And if we can keep the joy of the Lord as our strength and not allow the things of this world to steal our joy, I'm promising you guys, I'm telling you guys, we will see great and mighty things happen in your lives. We will see great and mighty things happen in your marriages. We will see great and mighty things happen in your relationships. When the joy, when you tap into the joy of the Lord and you're reminded that it is our strength, we will see great and mighty things happen. You all are quiet today. That's like the best place to say amen, that we are going to see God move. We are going to see God speak. We're going to see God heal. We're going to see God deliver. We're going to see God set people free. We're going to see God provide. We're going to see God just grace upon grace, upon glory, upon glory, because joy is in our lives and no matter what's happening around us nothing is going to be able to steal it but there are some things that try to creep in and steal it that I want to discover this morning with you guys and so if you have your Bibles open them up to Luke 1 verse 26 it'll be up in one moment we can throw it up team in one moment verse 38 and also verse 47 I'll read it in a second but uh, the first thing that I have come to know and come to be true is that anxiety tries to steal our joy. Anxiety is the first thing that I know to be true that tries to steal our joy. Do you understand that we are the most anxious-ridden people ever? This culture today has more anxiety in it than ever before. There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of things that cause anxiety, but the most biggest, greatest thing is, is this comparison game that we play today. There is such a level of comparison via social media or, or just seeing what's happening on TV, all these different media sources and things that are shouting for you to compare yourself to the people next to you, the people around you, what you see on social. Yo, some of those people that post that you follow, unfollow them. Their life is a highlight reel of all their good and great stuff. They're not showing you how messed up, how dark, how alone they feel. They're not showing you any of that stuff. And you go home and you look. I'm preaching. This is even in my notes. Praise the Lord. Some of you all are just so consumed. You're gripped by anxiety because you're like, I don't have that. I'm not like that. I don't act that way. We don't have that kind of home. We don't have that kind of couch. I need that couch because they have that couch. And look how happy they are in that couch. That couch is amazing. If my family had that couch, we could take the right photo. <laughs> Y'all laughing. It's true. Like, if I only had what they had, I would be joyful. You know what that is? It's anxiety. Anxiety raises up in you, and it steals your joy. We become anxious because we don't have a confidence in who Jesus is and what he's doing in us. And so I go to the story of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I, and I see the story that kicks off this Christmas story, and I see how there was a level of anxiety that creeped into Mary. Rightfully so, there was a great and mighty thing that happened to her, but there's anxious thoughts, there's, there's anxiety that starts to fill her heart, fill her soul. This, is, this girl, you know, I'm going to read in a second, she, she, she becomes pregnant. Some believe 13, 14, 15-year-old girl, she becomes pregnant 
outside of marriage, outside of having, having sex with their husband. I'm just waiting for somebody to be like, he said sex in church. <laughs> Let me say this. Sex is beautiful when it's your spouse. It's a God-given gift. Some of y'all are like, this is uncomfortable. We'll get back to the Christmas story. I know. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, but intimacy with your spouse is dear, and it's close, and it's awesome. Okay, but when it's outside of that, young people, it's destructive. It's destroying. It will leave you empty. It will leave you broken. It will make you, it will have a greater void. There's no condemnation in this place. I'm telling you, there's a greater void that's left with you than ever before. I know now the rest of the sermon, some of y'all are just going to be like, he went there. <laughs> anxiety. It'll create anxiety in your life. It'll create fear, but Mary has to carry this. Now, this angel of the Lord appears to her and says, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to become pregnant. What? I'm not married. Yeah, you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to carry the Son of God. Excuse me? Me? i got to face all these people. This is what happens in the story in verse 26, Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings. I want an angel to show it to me and just be like, greetings. Isn't scripture awesome? Greetings. Can you imagine that? It's wings. <laughs> greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Can I say something this morning? He's saying that to each and every one of you today. Hey, hey, I, I see you. You're highly favored. The Lord loves you. He's crazy about you. Mary was greatly troubled, though, as I would be if an angel showed up to my house and said, greetings, right? Greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are called to call him Jesus. He will be great, and you will be, call and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel of the Lord is telling Mary the prophetic of what was told is now going to come to pass. The Savior Jesus, King Jesus, is coming. The one that was talked about, the one that was told about, is now going to happen, and it's going to happen through you. I don't know about you, but that would cause some fear and some anxiety to start creeping up on me. She says in verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a, I'm a virgin, I, I don't understand how this is going to be possible. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and in the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, John the Baptist. And she would, who was said to be unable to conceive in, is in her six months. For no word from God will ever fail. I talked about that two weeks ago. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary responds then. I think there's a switch from anxiety to joy. Hey, you're the Lord's servant. Yeah, I'm going to take care of this. We'll be all handled. I got it all under control. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Hearing that? Joy. In verse 38, she goes, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. If you continue down to verse 46, I think we have it in verse 47 or just 47. I'll read it, verse 46 and 47. It says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. She's now, the scripture says, she begins to sing a song. She begins to stand up after hearing this word and all the anxiety and everything that she says, Whoa, hold on a second. This is something great. This is something powerful. King Jesus is going to be inside of me. Oh, she stands up and she begins to sing a song and she says, My soul glorifies the Lord. If I could sing, I would try to sing it, but I'll bless you all just by reading it. My soul glorifies the Lord. 
my goodness. Like, this is not a, my soul glorifies the Lord. She, many people believe just the language. She's shouting it. My soul glorifies the Lord. Oh, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know what that word rejoices means in the original? Joy. Joy. There, 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 is, there is joy. My spirit finds joy in my God, my Savior. She's singing a song of praise, a song of joy, and she's saying, hey, I don't care what God's called me to do. I don't care how scary it may be. I don't care what people are going to say about me when I go out onto the street and they see a 13-year-old girl carrying a baby outside of marriage. I don't care what they say because I know my God is in control. Anxiety, shut your mouth. Fear, shut your mouth. I know that my God is good and he's going to do a great and mighty work. See, church, this should awaken us this morning. Oh, my soul sings. Y'all focusing on anxiety way too much. You're focusing on the thoughts. You're focusing on what's happening around you. You're allowing for those things around you to determine what's happening. This is an example of a mighty thing that could have caused a lot of anxiety rightfully so, right? If anybody has an opportunity, should be given the reason to be like, yeah, you should be a little upset. It's Mary. But Mary is overcome by the Lord's love, by his grace. By, by his, his leading, you know why we sing in this church? Because <laughs> singing silences the voice of anxiety. Okay, because notice something. Mary just doesn't say it. I don't like singing, Pastor. I just, I don't like, I don't, I don't, it's really uncomfortable. Fine. But I'm going to pray that you experience the goodness of worshiping the Lord. Because she doesn't just stay quiet about this. It says that she stands up and she sings this out. Oh, man. Because, you know, you can't, you can't. Hold back singing when you know what God's done for you and what he's going to do for you. See, anxiety will tell you to shut up. Anxiety will tell you to sit down. Anxiety will tell you to stay put. Anxiety will tell you to keep your mouth shut. But what if you started praising the Lord in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of fear, and started proclaiming how good our God is? What type of joy would begin to bubble up inside of you? What type of joy would begin to come out of you? What would you experience in your life? Would you experience anxiety or would you experience joy? We are a ridden generation of anxiety. I know a lot of you right now, I don't want hands raised. You're already thinking about what you have to do this afternoon. I know you are. You're already thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow, Monday. Some of you, the, the, the thing is like 22 minutes. People can listen to people for about 22 minutes, and then they shut you off. So I've gotten about like 16 minutes of you guys right now so far. About the 22-minute mark, I wonder what some of you are going to start thinking about. You're going to start being anxious about tomorrow. Hey, hey, don't do that, right? Scripture says don't be anxious about tomorrow. Just, just, just focus on today and what God has for you today. Don't worry about what's to come. Just focus on today. See, oh, joy, joy overcomes anxiety. I'm not not downplaying that there's real anxiety and there's written things that happen, but guess what? What if you just started to sing a little louder? What if you just started to praise a little bit more? What if you were that weirdo in your car on the way to work when you were so anxious about the day and you cranked the worship music up and you start lifting one hand because keep the other one on the... (laughs) And you start shouting to God, God, you're good. God, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, my goodness, God, you are so good. You're merciful. Oh, my goodness, you saved me. You saved a... Oh, I have nothing to fear come on church joy overwhelms anxiety and Mary showed it to us she didn't fear what was given to her she received it and then she walked it out with joy oh I all oh, the joy of the Lord is in my spirit thank you father God Satan will try to steal your joy by anxiety the second thing that I know that Satan will try to do the things that he will try to do to steal your joy and anxiety is resentment and hurt. Resentment and hurt. 
it will try to steal your joy. You know, joy heals resentment and hurt. Joy heals it. You, you, you ever meet that super joyful person? Okay, my hand's raised. My wife. <laughs> Some of you are like looking at her right now. It's not to put her on a pedestal, but my wife, man, she bounces around like nothing's wrong ever in this life. She's like, how are you this morning, babe? I'm like, it's like, I'm like, I don't want to talk right now. She's like, are you good today? Oh my goodness, God's so good. I'm like, yes, he is, but it's like 6 a.m. and he's not that good right now. <laughs> when I think, when I'm, because husbands, we know, like, we, thank you, we, we miss the mark a lot. We miss it a lot. I'm thankful for a wife that is so joyful and so strong in her joy that it doesn't allow for resentment and hurt. Have I hurt her? Have I caused pain to her? Yes. But when you have a joyful spirit, you can't hold stuff against people because you don't allow for them to dictate what happens inside of your heart. So, so this is an example right here. In this, this is going to help some of y'all. I'm telling you, this is powerful. Matthew 1, 18 through 24. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Matthew. I'm, I'm going to bounce around Matthew and Luke. This is about the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph is pledged to be married. To, to marry. That pledge is not an engagement, because now today you can break off an engagement. This pledge was a signed contract. This was, this was a binding contract. He was not just like, I'm going to marry Mary. That's awesome. Any of you, somebody, are you listening to the 22 mark? Are we there? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pledged to marry her in a year. It's a year contract. There was, there was really no getting out of it, and if you, you got out of it, it was only because of similar things today of divorce, of being unfaithful and doing all those things. However, he, he finds out the news about what's going to happen. And man, can you imagine if you're being wed, if you have a commitment to somebody, and they cheat, and they hurt you? I, I want to say something. If that's happened in this room, I'm sorry. But the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And he can heal, and he can be all-sufficient, and he can change a situation. But, but, but we're humans, right? You with me this morning? We, we deal with stuff that hurts us. Maybe it wasn't somebody cheated. Maybe something somebody said. Maybe it's something that something's been done to you. Maybe it's a moment that you're living in now that you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get out. This is resentment. This pain is so heavy. Joseph is a prime example of this. It says this in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, right? But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Imagine Mary walking up to Joseph being, Joseph, I love you. I'm pregnant. Fellas, where he at? <laughs> right? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He was a God-fearing man and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This shows me that Joseph had joy in, him, in his spirit because he was so consumed with not hurting the person that he felt was hurting him. You respond to hurt and pain with hurt and pain, it's just going to be a cycle. It's going to be a, that's good preaching, Pastor. Good job. Thank you so much. Amen. Because that's going to help some of y'all. You respond to it with joy and, uh, with pain, you're going to get pain back. Hurt people, hurt people. But when you know you're saved and set free and you no longer have to be bound by the things that have been done to you, but you can walk in freedom every day. Yes, things are nasty. People are nasty. Things hurt you. But I'm telling you, when Jesus is in control, you can allow for his spirit to dismiss. I'm but after he considered this, right? Because Joseph was like, okay, you know what? I'll do this quietly. I'll try to protect her. I'll try to cover. I won't allow for this resentment and hurt to be boiling over and go out and react. You know, emotions are nasty. 
Some of us just need to pray for the Lord to help us with our emotions. But after he said this, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph is a God-fearing man. He is now catching the picture that, oh no, everything that I've heard about, all the prophecies, all the people that were told, uh, the stories that were told prior to this, this is happening. This is happening and I'm a part of it. So, so imagine anger, resentment towards Mary. Well, I'll just publicly dis- uh, divorce. I'll just uh, privately divorce. I won't, I won't hold to that. But man, that hurts. This is painful. I'm just done. And then he meets with heaven. See what happens when you meet with heaven? You can't hold on to resentment and hurt. He, he, the heaven, because listen, 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 it says this in verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord God had give, uh, said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with him. When Joseph woke up, it says he did not do what the angel of the Lord told him. No. It says he did what the angel of the Lord told him. I believe Joseph woke up from that moment, and he goes, oh, my goodness. What I'm holding on to, I got to let it go. I got to let it go because God's about to do something great. God's about to do something wonderful. So the resentment and the pain that I'm feeling right now, the pain that I felt because somebody betrayed me, somebody hurt me, Holy Spirit, fill me with joy. Fill me with the joy that I will walk out your plan. I will do what you've called me to do. You know what I believe Joseph realized? Oh, snap. My wife is carrying the hope of the world. My, my, My wife is carrying Jesus. When you start to dwell on Jesus, you don't think about what's happened. You don't think about what's been done to you. You dwell on what is going to go forward for you, what you're going to. Guys, I know this is hard, but some of you are getting your joy stolen because you're reminding yourself of what's happened. You're reminding yourself of what's been done to you. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry. Some of it is nasty. Some of it is hard. But listen, when you remind yourself of what he's done and what he's going to do, you can't help but begin to get a little joyful. You know what happens when I'm thinking about someone's done something to me? You know what I have to do? I have to go, okay, this happened to me. God, I give it to you. Hey, God, remind me what you did for me as a 22-year-old. Ah, oh, man. God, it's back. It's back. The feelings, the, the, the anger. Hey, God, would you fill me with a peace? Would you fill me with a joy that's unspeakable? The same joy when I came to know you at 22 when I fell at your feet as an, at the altar of the, uh, at the church, and I began to weep, and I began to cry, and I began to just receive, and I stood up so filled with joy. Hey, God, I'm going to love them. I'm going to bless them. I'm not going to harbor offense to them. I'm not going to drink it and think the other person's going to die because it's poison. That's what you do. We get offended. We get hurt. We harbor this stuff, and we think it's going to kill the other person, and all along it's hurting us. Come on, you with me, church. This will steal your joy. And Joseph had a revelation of like, oh, no, no, no I'm not going to divorce her. I'm going to carry out this. I'm going to do this because God's called me to do it. God has called me to take Mary and go forth. Come on, guys. He's calling you out of resentment. He's calling you out of hurt. He's calling you out of pain. And he's calling you forward joyfully, joyfully. Is this helping y'all? The third thing is this. The third thing that I think tries to kill us, kill our joy, is confusion. You ever been confused about what you're called to do, where you're called to go, how you're supposed to do, whatever you're supposed to operate in? Have you ever been? Yeah, every hand should go up. Because at some point in your life, you've been confused about a decision you have to make, what God's calling you to do, what maybe you sense he's calling. There's oftentimes where I'm believing this. I, I believe this to be wholeheartedly true. This is a short point. Confusion will literally kill your joy because you become so consumed with the decision you have to make. And what God is saying to you. And are you listening and are you hearing it and are you actually going to abide in it? 
Come on, I, I know I'm preaching to some people here today. When there's a major decision or there's things in your life that you have to decide to do, uh, you begin to become confused. And you're like, is this, is this God's voice? Or, or, or is this what I just ate last night bubbling up in my stomach? Come on, right? Like, like is this actually God's leading or is this like an, a door that's just been opened by some man? Like, this is things that you have to think about. And there will be time, we're going to talk in the new year about sensing God's voice and hearing it. But like, there's a lot of times you're confused. And then when you become confused, like, why did this happen? Or why is this going on? Or why has this been given to me? All those things start to come in. And it, what it is is it's confusion. And it's doubt. Confusion and doubt go, hey, like, like I'm confused, so I doubt God's going to actually be the way. I'm confused, and I doubt that actually God's going to make a way for me. I'm confused, and I doubt that he's actually going to heal, and he's actually going to restore, and he's actually going to do. I'm confused, God. And what that happens is if you dwell on confusion more and more and more, you dismiss the joy of remembering what he's done. Like the three wise men show up in the story, right? They, they, they show up and they're following a star that's in the end. They're following the star and they, they get to where they think the star is, right? You guys all know your Bible, some of you. Some of you, like, they get to it and it's actually in, like where the king is, King Herod. And he actually hears the story of what they're looking for. What are you guys looking for? We're looking for the king. Well, I am the king. Well, I don't think you are because what we've known to be was his baby. You're not a baby. Like. And King Herod's like, okay, because he's so evil, he's wicked. He says, hey, when you go find that king, let me know. But I imagine the, 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 the three wise men showing up going, I thought this is where the star was. I thought this is where God was. Is this, is this making sense? Because like, I thought this is where God was. I, I thought this is where Jesus was. I thought this is where the baby was. We followed the star. We landed here. Why did we land here? And I can imagine them looking at each other like, hey, get your compass out. Get your map out. Like, where are we at? They're like, how did we land here? This is, I, they, I thought we were supposed to see the baby. And now we get this news that, like, hey, actually, I'm king, and go find that baby for me. And when you find that baby, let me know and come back and report. Confusion. They were coming to bring gifts and adore the baby, and they're now lost. And You with me? But I think something happened. I think they left. Well, I know they left. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to them and said, don't go back there. I'll lead you to the baby. I'll lead you to the king. You may be confused right now in this moment, but I'm telling you right now, just keep following me. Keep following me. Keep taking step by step. Step by step. I believe the, the, the three wise men just kept going, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you. I see it. I see it. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I don't feel it yet. I don't have, we haven't experienced it yet, but I'm just going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking until they finally meet King Jesus. And Scripture says that they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed because confusion didn't settle in their spirits. What settled in their spirits was that they were going to run after to the king. That will preach. When you're confused, well, what do I do? Run towards the king. When you're doubting, what do I do? Get close to the father. When you don't know what plan to do, don't act until you have peace from the father. Well, what should I do when it comes to my job? I can't tell you that. Maybe the Lord will give me a word for you, but maybe you should just go sit. Maybe you should go be at rest. Maybe you should just talk to the Father yourself because he is not a God of confusion. He does not confuse his people. He's not up there going, ha-ha, got him. They're super confused, winning. He's up there going, no, I got a plan for you. I got a plan that's going to prosper you. I got a plan that I hope in the future for you. I got a plan that's going to work itself out for the good. I got a plan for you, but I just need you to keep stepping. I need you to keep going. I need you to keep walking closer towards me. I need you to stop this. I need you to dismiss confusion. I need you to walk in faith. And when you walk in faith, you get to see God's hand move. 
Right, like it's so good when you actually walk this thing out of faith. You see God's hand move and it fills you with joy. Well, at least it does for me and I pray it for you. Satan will try to get you all jacked up and confused. He'll get you into a relationship. The bank, come on up. He'll get you into a relationship that you swore was of God. I, I, I knew, I know, I know I fasted for a day. <laughs> Pastor, I fasted for an hour. I know God's voice. <laughs> You're super spiritual because I don't hear, yeah, okay. Like, I, I know this is God. I'm like, okay, like, or you don't even tell me, you don't tell anybody, you just, you just think it's, and you get in that relationship and you're like, hmm, <laughs> how did I land here? And you realize, I hope you pray and realize that Satan confused you. He put something in front of you. It caught your eye, caught your attention. It seemed really good. It seemed really of God. But you were too busy not seeking the Father, not going towards him, that you got a little confused. Right? This is good preaching. You chose that way instead of the God way. And I'm talking specifically to all you dating and single people. Right? Because there's a lot of you in here. But this can go the same way. I thought I was supposed to be at this job. Man, I, I swore God told me to be at this job. Rachel and I have missed that before. We've, we've been there. I thought this was of God. Yeah, no, it was not. But we were so confused that we just chose the quickest, easiest thing. And we thought it, God would use it. God would, And all along, he's like, I didn't. He's sovereign. He's grace-filled. He's going to call you out of it. And he's going to be like, actually, this is what I have for you. This is when you allow confusion to settle in your spirit. When in that whole season, we were just like wrecked. I would come in and my, my wife would be on the bathroom floor crying, weeping. Well, I thought, God, this is what you had for, I thought this was the right plan. I thought this was, no, actually, this wasn't. You just chose to do what you wanted to do. You were confused, JP, but I'm so good that I'm going to call you and Rachel out of it. I'm going to call you out of it because my grace is so sufficient. I love you so much. I'm not going to let you sit there. I'm not going to let you stay there. I'm going to call you to greater things, to higher things. I'm going to open up a door that I want to open up for you, not the door that you can open up for yourself. I'm preaching this morning because some of y'all are walking in such a confused state, and you're wondering, where's God? Where's God? Why don't I feel him? Where's all the feel? Maybe it's just maybe you got to go before the Father and say, Father, I'm, I've been walking in confusion. I want the joy to fill me. I want your joy to fill me. Oh, when his joy fills you, church, I'm telling you, you just can't stop praising him. You can't stop getting closer to him. You can't stop being intimate with them, like, oh, my goodness, God, I can, I can actually sense what you're leading. I can actually sense what you're doing because I'm walking in joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I take a hold of what is going to make me strong, and that's the joy of the Lord. So no matter what comes, no matter what's going to come, I'm going to see you move. And the last thing is this, and this is for all of us. The fourth thing I think that Satan tries to steal our joy with is forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. Hebrews 1, 12, 1 through 3, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Everyone say everything. He tells us to what? Four of you. I'm way past 22 minutes. He says, throw off, toss it off of you. Everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles us, throw it off, get it off of you. Like, confess it, be bold enough to tell the Lord. He already knows, just tell him. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. 
Fixing our eyes on Jesus, not the stuff happening, not the stuff that we desire, not the stuff we want, but fixing our eyes on, on Jesus, the, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Praise the Lord that every single day he's perfecting us. For the joy, what? Joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. <laughs> the cross ain't joyful. <laughs> right? If you're, if you're going to the cross, you're not thinking of joy. And some of you are. Like you're not... Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Oh, church lesson. If there is one thing that will steal your joy, it is when Satan can get your eyes off of Jesus and can get your eyes off of what he's done for you. That he went to a cross. That he went perfect, no sin, spotless. I've heard this message all the time. I pray you hear it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever until you see him in heaven. I pray that this message never gets old. I pray this message never gets boring. Oh, the cross is boring. I pray for you. I pray this message stirs your heart every single time you hear it, whether it's in church, whether it's when you're listening to the songs, whether you're at your own house. I don't care when and where you are. When you hear that the cross was set before him and he went there with joy. You know why he had joy? Because he saw you. He saw you face to face. He wasn't thinking about, oh, I'm doing the work of the Lord. Praise God. He saw you and he's like, I'm redeeming my kids. I'm saving my children. I'm coming after my children. I'm coming after mankind. I'm going to the cross set before me with joy because I know that when I do this and I come to life three days later after that, oh, every person that calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Nothing can keep them from me now because I'm coming with joy deep in my heart. So church, I hope this stirs something in you. We forget all the time what Jesus has done. And it steals our joy from us. I wonder today and every day, if you wake up and go, my God, whew, my God, not scrolling Insta, not checking the emails, oh my God, you had joy in your spirit because you saw me when you went to that place. You saw me. And you open up the doors for me to enter into your kingdom. Oh, my God. Woo! Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's emotional. No, it ain't emotional. I'm telling you right now, if you start to speak this over your life, if you start to remind your spirit of this, there will be loud praises coming out of your mouth. There will be shouts of joy coming out of your mouth. There will be worship that nobody around you can. I don't care what I look like when I'm in this place of worship. I don't care what's going on around me because I know the joy that Jesus has placed inside of me because of that cross and that empty tomb. And so I don't know about you, but I can't help but just lift up praise when I know Jesus has saved me. I can't help but just to sing a little louder when I know the joy is inside of me. Come on, church. I think we should just sing.